What does the recent gubernatorial recall effort mean for the future of California politics? And what does the recent assassination scandal mean for the future of democracy in Haiti? I'm your host, Christine Sells. I'm Mylena Furman, and this is your weekly political briefing, a podcast discussing current political events in America and around the world. Today is Tuesday, September 21st. We know there have been recent developments in California. So what is going on in regards to these events? Despite some pollsters believing that Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom was in a fight for his political life in the safe Democratic state of California, the governor survived the recall election last week. Larry Elder, a fringe right-wing radio host who has never held public office, conceded but hinted at a possible run for the governor's seat in the future. 63.7% of voters said no in the recall election, opting to keep Newsom as governor in a greater number than those who voted for him during his victory in 2018. Perhaps the most surprising aspect of the result was how the governor was able to win traditionally Republican counties like Riverside, which had voted against him in 2018. However, support for the recall measure was widespread in rural areas where farmers are disgruntled by Newsom's policies. Some counties, such as Fresno, Indio, and Butte, that voted for President Joe Biden in 2020 actually voted to oust the governor. According to CNN exit poll data, this inland region was the only place out of all five of California's regions to vote yes. Supporters of the recall initiative cited the controversies surrounding Governor Newsom's handling of the pandemic and California's homelessness crisis as the reasons for their campaign. However, exit polling data suggests that the governor's controversial COVID-19 policies are favored by the public. As mentioned by CNN's report, the pandemic was the state's major issue, according to 32% of voters. And many of these same voters polled that Newsom's policies regarding the pandemic had been, quote, about right. Mylena, can you describe the history of the recall process? Of course. During the early 1900s, Republican reformers introduced progressive measures to the state, including the recall process. Under this process, petitioners must attain signatures, which equal at least 12% of the votes cast in the previous election for that office. Once they receive enough signatures, the Secretary of State confirms the result. The Lieutenant Governor is then in charge of scheduling an election within 60 to 80 days of the confirmation. This election determines whether the official will be removed from office. The ballot consists of two questions, whether the incumbent should be recalled, and if recalled, who should replace them. This process has happened once before in the state. While opponents attempted to gain petitions to recall every governor over the past 60 years, a special election was held in 2003, resulting in the recall of Democratic Governor Gray Davis. This was California's first ever and only gubernatorial recall election. Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger replaced Governor Davis, who was viewed as ineffective due to the state's increasing budget deficit and an electricity crisis. However, the environment of this year's recall election drastically differed from the events in 2003. Throughout his tenure, Governor Newsom had experienced significant support from the California voters. He won his initial election in 2018 with 61.9% of the vote, even winning traditionally Republican areas such as Orange and San Bernardino counties, which he won again this year. Although commentators viewed the 2018 election as a landslide, Newsom's future began to be questioned in 2020. After the first COVID-19-related death on March 4, 2020, Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency. Marked by strict lockdown and social distancing measures, this order came under fire by conservative groups. These groups also attacked the governor in November when he attended a birthday party at the French Laundry Restaurant 
despite this going against his own restrictions. Jessica Levinson, a law professor at Loyola University, claimed that Newsom's action proves, quote, that he's an elitist, he's out of touch, he's hypocritical. There were 46 candidates vying to replace the incumbent. Although most of them are relatively unknown, a few are significant. A majority of the candidates were Republican and could be classified into certain groups. For example, businessman John Cox, who ran against Newsom in 2018, and former San Diego mayor Kevin Faulkner, represented the moderate establishment wing of the party. State Assemblyman Kevin Kiley and reality star Caitlyn Jenner reflected conservative values. Pollsters expected Newsom to retain his position, but predicted that it would be closer than the actual result. Prior to the election, ABC's 538 polling project predicted that 50.6% of voters desire to keep Newsom compared to 46.3% supporting the recall. And how are Democrats reacting to the result? Many of them are calling for reforms and potential restrictions regarding future recall elections. Specifically, they are arguing that the current process is a waste of resources, since this recent election cost the state $276 million. Some reform proposals include increasing the number of signatures required to begin a recall, raising the number of potential replacement governors, and a system where the lieutenant governor would replace the sitting governor if they are recalled. Republicans are citing the recall effort and the drop in Newsom's approval rating as potential weaknesses for the governor. Time will tell if their prediction will come true. Meanwhile, a scandal has erupted in Haiti. On July 7th, a group of armed assailants assassinated Haitian President Jovenel Moise at his residence in Port-au-Prince at 1 a.m. The president was shot 12 times and died on the scene. The first lady was also shot, but she survived. After the president's death, Claude Joseph, the interim prime minister, declared himself the new head of government, placing Haiti under a martial law. The new leader announced a, quote, state of siege. This incident displayed the political instability which Haiti has witnessed this year. Video of the assassination appears to show men arriving armed and dressed in black in multiple vehicles. The assailants allegedly announced, quote, DEA operation, everybody stay down. This quote led commentators of the Miami Herald to alleged a drug trafficking connection to the event. 44 people were arrested in connection to this event. Specifically, 26 mercenaries were Colombian and two Haitian Americans were allegedly hired as interpreters. These Americans, 35-year-old James Solange and 55-year-old Joseph Vincent, were arrested. Some government officials allege that Prime Minister Ariel Henry was responsible for the president's death. One official claimed that he will not work with the premier who, quote, does not intend to cooperate with justice, seeking on the contrary by all means to obstruct it. Sparking outrage among pro-democracy individuals, the prime minister replaced the chief prosecutor who intended to charge him as a suspect and bar him from leaving the country. Events such as this are not new to the unstable country. Mylena, tell us more about the history of Haiti. Originally a French colony, Haiti witnessed a slave revolt which led to the establishment of one of the oldest republics in the Western Hemisphere. Since the beginnings of the republic, the nation witnessed poverty and corruption. The unstable nature of the country led to the United States occupying it from 1915 to 1934. The aftermath of the U.S. occupation resulted in numerous coups. Eventually, the Duvalier family seized power and acted as dictators until the 1990s. After the family ruled Haiti, the nation experienced a period of military rule and a plethora of presidencies. 
The 2010 earthquake devastated the nation, leaving thousands homeless and starved. In an attempt to rebuild the nation, the United States supported the election of President Mouaz. Activists considered this move as a, quote, electoral coup d'etat. While President Biden admits that he is saddened by the president's assassination, the U.S. government has announced its intention to work with Mr. Joseph. The decision may be due to fears that an immigration crisis similar to what occurred in the 1990s may commence if instability returns to the Caribbean country. Haiti's ambassador to the United States, Bochit Edmond, said that the attackers presented themselves as agents of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, but they were, quote, professional killers. It appears that the fears of an immigration crisis are valid. An increase in Haitians attempting to immigrate to the United States is already occurring. Thousands of people hoping to escape poverty are gathering at the border in Texas. The Associated Press reported that the U.S. officials intend to process and remove these asylum seekers. They hope to fly the migrants out of the country if Haiti is willing to accept flights. President Biden's Department of Homeland Security believes that irregular immigration is a national security threat and must be prevented. Fabricio Jean, one 38-year-old Haitian who hopes to immigrate to the United States, told AP that, quote, in Haiti, there is no security. Many of those at the border share his opinions and claim they intend to remain at the southern border to seek asylum regardless of the U.S. decision. Although Haitian migrants attempted to enter the United States throughout this decade, the recent political scandal is said to have initiated this border crisis. Some activists, such as Nicole Phillips, legal director for Haitian Bridge Alliance, believe that the U.S. should allow Haitian migrants to be processed for asylum. She reasoned that the, national, that the nation's political scandal represents a humanitarian crisis. Mexico's immigration agency is discussing this situation with Haiti's government in an attempt to stabilize the border. The United States has also announced the deployment of 400 border protection agents and medical technicians as part of this stabilization effort. But that's all for today's episode. We would like to thank our staff, Celeste Rosendale, Lawton Bauer, Trent Wartnock, Keith Ackles, and Andrew Thompson. I'm Mylena Furman. And I'm Christine Sells. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to tune in next Tuesday.